you're listening to You Would Think, the Philadelphia Flyers podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Collington, and joining me today, the one and only Mr. Kevin Durso. How are you, buddy? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing good. If you're watching on YouTube, you know it's a pretty nice episode number. And uh, we're <laughs> back to talk about some pretty nice hockey. Uh, the Flyers have actually won seven out of eight. And uh, yeah, we're going to dive right into that in just a second. Right off the top here, uh, follow us on Twitter at YWT Podcast. Do all the social stuff. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, Facebook, Instagram, Podbean, SportsTalkPhilly.com. All right, let's get into it. Yep. <laughs> Seven out of eight with the one loss being, I mean, quite frankly, you got demolished by one of the best teams in hockey, a 6-2 loss to the Toronto Maple Leafs. But mm-hmm. we're not going to spend a lot of time on that game because we have seven wins to talk about, generally speaking. We started. Um, well, we already started on a few of them, so yeah, we've got three more to talk about beyond that one. Yeah. So, what do you think over this run? What stands out to you the most overall? Because I know what my answer is. Okay, why don't you tell me? Because I have like a whole little list of things to go through from this whole stretch. So, you primarily numero uno is goal scoring. Okay. Yeah. The fact that this team, which couldn't, could not score first month and a half two months of the season just could not put the puck in the net at all all of a sudden Travis Konechny's hot everyone else is kind of along with him Wade Allison's warming up Joel Farabee's staying hot things are picking up well you're because you're goal scoring department because you're talking about a team that uh, with the exception of the Saturday night game that made it seven of eight in every other win during the stretch had scored at least four goals yeah per game and and, like, and, and and gee, you know, they only scored three against Washington the second time around, right? Like, you know, right. and and even like even in the loss to Toronto, they still scored two goals. So that yep. that doesn't exactly bring that four goal average down a lot because there's 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 a, a five in there, there's a six in there from the win. So it's like they've scored a lot. Know, of goals, they're averaging right? pretty much yeah. four goals a game. So here's the thing. <laughs> I got to do this. Okay. Right, we're, we're two minutes in. Oh, we're right off the right top. Off the hop. Here we go. I have to. Sitting here mid-January, we were recording the show on January 15th. Flyers won seven out of eight. Kevin. Yes. Do you remember the 2019 St. Louis Blues? Of course I do. We were doing the show then, so. The team that was last in the league, second last in the league, they were... Very last. close to the bottom. I think it was last, last. right? Mm-hmm. On, what was it, January 3rd? Uh, it was a little later than that. I, w- I think it was the 7th. Okay, okay. They so won a whole a week, lot you're of only about a week games. off. Yes. They won a whole lot of hockey games down the stretch. Made the playoffs. Won the Stanley Cup. I'll ne- well, I'll look, and I'll never forget the game that started at all because I was there for it, obviously. Like, now, yeah. Jordan Bennington's first career shutout in the NHL, and that was now, the first of many so, wins to come. So a goalie who came up from the minor league due to some injury problems, made his debut, <laughs> had a shutout pretty quickly thereafter, played really good hockey. Is this sounding familiar? It's a little bit. I mean, I, I think that that St. Louis Blues team had a little bit more scoring talent than this one does, but I see your point. But they were pretty typically a rough and tumble team with uh, a pretty heavy presence. Mm-hmm. Um, Zach McEwen slots in nicely in a Robert Bortuzzo type of role. I, listen, listen. You're drawing. You're trying to draw parallels. I get that. It's not going to happen. This is a bad team. <laughs> this is a bad team. This is not a good hockey team. 
They don't have offense. They don't have defense. Their goaltending is young and has had some injury issues. They're not a good team right now. But you never know. Stranger things have happened. That's all I'm saying. They're not a good team. They're not a good team. Nope. But are they necessarily a bad one? Because I don't know that you can sit there and say like they're, that this is abysmal. Like, a, a bad team isn't going out and scoring four goals a game over any significant stretch. And you're now approaching – it's like the 10-game losing streak. As you approach 10 games of anything, you start – like it becomes an, a big enough sample of your season that you have to acknowledge that it's that if, there's something to it, right? If, if the Flyers make the playoffs, does Travis Konechny win the Hart Trophy? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, or does he get robbed like Claude Giroux got robbed in twenty seven? Well, I, I I knew that's where you were going with it. So I mean, listen, because because here's the th- here's the thing about the entire and this is kind of dipping back into last week without discussing the games that were last week from last right, week's show. Right, right, right. Because at first, like when we came on last week, and it was they've won four games in a row since the last time we did the show, right? Yep. If, at first, it was a lot of. Well, it's against San Jose. It's against Anaheim. It's and against it Arizona. And, it, and was. it was. And to an extent, that's still true. Yep. And the, you know, the game against Toronto on Sunday, stark reminder of how far away the Flyers are from being that. You know? They are certainly and, not an elite team. And ter- look, right. Toronto is tied for third in the standings league-wide. Right. right? So I don't want to just make it seem like, like you're pointing at that and being like, well, like, look, we all know what we think about the Toronto Maple Leafs. A lot of teams playoff, are going to lose to Toronto a lot. Right. And playoff stuff aside with the Toronto Maple Leafs, that's a team that people would sit there and say they could contend. No, I think so. Oh, absolutely. I, I so, think they're... So, yeah. so, like, that's to your point. This is not a good team in the sense that this is still a relevant topic as sure. any within the franchise. That they're not the Toronto Maple Leafs. They're not going to be some of these other teams out there. That are at the top of the standings. But the game against Buffalo in response to that game, and then the two since against Washington, that's a little more eye-opening. That's a team that's growing. And I think this it's a perfect segue to what you said. I think that the one thing that's really important here is that it's a lot of the same cast of characters that's producing. It's, you know, as we're getting to the halfway point of the season, the game on Monday was game 41 so right. we were right at that halfway mark you start to like this is goes back to exactly what we, t- we talked about all along when it came to john tortorella right. it's his first season as the coach and he comes in and everything's a clean slate i don't know anything about anybody right right and now that you're halfway through a season you start to have more information a lot more information about certain guys who's standing out who's with you and who isn't on that level yet and who may never be I'm going to run down some names for you because I'm going to tell you who's on that level or who's part of this going forward or who okay. seems to be part of this going forward. Obviously, you've already mentioned Travis Konechny and the heater that he's on right 24 now. 24 so. goals. He is an absolute right. monster. So he's right part now. of this. Scott Lawton's part of this. Absolutely. Owen Tippett is part of this. Yep. Noah Cates is part of this. Joel Farabee is part of this. I think you're starting to see that Cam York is part of this. And certainly... Carter Hart is part of it, and there's a pretty good chance that Sam Harrison is too. Okay, I would even I would even toss Wade Allison in the conversation for that. I 
hesitated from putting him on the list that I wrote down, but I think that you've got the foundations of a good player. When he plays the way that John Tortorella wants him to play, he's at his best and every you're seeing, single time. And you're seeing John Tortorella deploy him in critical minutes. And the only thing I will say, the, maybe, and maybe it's the only reason, because Joel Farabee has kind of come along, because I remember I brought it up at some point in time, and I think the question was like, all right, you're not going to mention Joel Farabee in that group of like players who are part of this, like maybe core going forward. It's like, I don't, I'm not saying I'm, he's not part of the core. It's just this year, it's hard to judge him because the injury is still getting in the way, whether, Absolutely. you know, whether John Tortorella wants to use it as an excuse or not, like, Oh, he can't fa- fall back on the injury anymore. So be it. Like we know what happened with Jack Eichel. It takes a little bit of time before you're th- whatever you're going to be after this surgery that you have. Absolutely. And the interesting part is that Farabee since then has probably been one of the team's best players in terms of starting to put it together. There's still things to work on, obviously. And I think that most and, of those things to work on are probably more away from the puck than anything. But and we talked puck, about it. It did take Eichel several months yeah. to get healthy. But with the puck, you're seeing it. And maybe no better example of it than the game against Buffalo where he gets a, a bounce, just yep. a totally favorable bounce in space and goes, here it is. Good luck trying to stop it. Yep. And, and, and that, you know, and granted it, yeah, it's on 40 year old Craig Anderson. I get that, but you know, nonetheless, right. But that brings it back to your conversation about the fact that they beat a real team when they beat Buffalo that night. Sure. And, well, and, 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 and t- just to put a bow on the, yeah, Wade, Al- the yeah. Wade Allison thing, like the reason why I don't throw Wade Allison in there yet is because just, you know, and may- maybe it's the next 41 games or whatever, you know, a little less than that now that they're past that point. Right. Convince me that you stay up here for the rest of the year. And I'm not talking about like in terms of, but I'm not talking about to get get sent down. I'm saying convince me you stay up here and you play every game. I like he has. Well, he has right now, but stay healthy. Convince me you can stay healthy because if you can convince me you can stay healthy, I know you're a top nine player. You're a top nine player in this league. It's to me. I there's no doubt about it with with the way his energy level can be with the scoring talent that I know he possesses and. That's that's the thing. So I don't want to like I don't want to lump him into that group yet because he he's one bad injury away from potentially being instead of being done. Well, I, instead of potentially being a guy who you start to get behind, who you say, oh, this guy's a really good like role type player. Like you know who you know who I almost want to liken him to. Don't do it. Why? What do you think I'm going to say? Don't compare him to Sam Moran. Um. Well, it's it, it no because it's going to be one or the other. My point is okay. Because he's he may be one injury away from being Sam. Yeah, that's, but, what I'm, that's what I'm nervous but, about. But I'm liking no. But I'm liking like if he could stay healthy, if he produces the way that people think he could, he almost comes across like an Oscar Limblom type. Like okay. he's got a place. It's that's blatantly fair. obvious he's he got belongs a on an right. He it's blatantly obvious he belongs on an NHL roster. It's just are are you going to be this guy who continues to not even say defy the odds? It's because he was a second round pick, but like continues to show it. Or he, he reminds me of a guy who scores key playoff goal. Kind of. I mean, like that's that's the kind of thing he's going to do in his career. Like he's got a spot on an NHL roster for sure. But that's the thing. Like that's and that's the comparison. But to your point, you got you're going back to the Buffalo game. Yeah. Like, you, yeah. like and and Buffalo's not like the Buffalo's not in the playoff picture. But they're, they're in the playoff picture. Well, like they're in. Okay, yes, they're in the picture. You know what I mean. Like they're not. They're in not the currently in the playoffs, right? They're not an active playoff team, but they're hovering around the picture. And what did I say last last week? Right as we kind of got ready to get off the air, it was like, okay, Toronto, and then this Buffalo game. It kind of gets thrown in there. 
Buffalo's no slouch of a team this year, or they haven't been, to say the least. And then to follow it up and you go play Washington twice in a home-and-home, home, Washington is in the playoffs yep. kind of comfortably right now to an extent. Uh, yeah, as comfortably as you can be in the East. Well, right, and well, and like, and I say that like, look, they're only up four points on on the t- first team out of the playoffs, right? But the next team after that is eight points, and it's like, and granted, they've played more games than any team in the Eastern Conference right now. Washington has, so I get it. But that was impressive, and, and Wednesday in particular, that was as impressive a game as I've seen them play all year. Truthfully, so they're actually and they're actually playing solid hockey. This isn't a sloppy game that their goalie is keeping them in and they're squeezing one by. Like right, they're and that playing was more, good hockey. And well, and that was more the Saturday formula. Like they got the lead and then kind of held sure. off for the rest of the game. I get that, but sure. that's but like uh, that. But between the Buffalo game and the first Washington game, that's almost what's hard to believe is just how well the team is playing. And and again. I get that before that the level of competition was probably much closer to the Flyers level of like in that time they win four games in a row against teams that you're like, yeah, okay, they should win four in a row. But but following up a loss with another three in a row, seven in the last eight is very impressive no matter who you are. And this has all happened over two two weeks. I and mean, it's, an, they've and it's in all points. And it's in all situations. The power play has been good. The shorthand, the penalty kill has been phenomenal. Yeah. With, uh, what, five shorthanded goals this season? There was every reason, and this is a perfect example, there was every reason in that game on Saturday. Every reason. They took a penalty, you know, or, or maybe it wasn't at, the, at that exact time. I'm trying to figure it out. They took a penalty somewhere in there. Maybe it was even like the late second period. Yeah, I think that's what I'm thinking of. It's the Lawton penalty late in the second period that you're trying to get to the, you're trying to, get to the break with a two-goal lead. You're just trying to get to the break, and you and here you go. There's 2:27 left in the period, and you just handed a power play that's got the greatest goal scorer potentially of all time on his on his way to it, waiting for you, and yep. you killed off the penalty, and you had killed one off earlier in the period when you were up by two already at that point, and then for the rest of the game after taking, you know that that was the third power play that Washington had had in that game. You didn't take another penalty without it being alongside of somebody else, uh, right? You know, there was two other penalties called, and you and drew quite, two of them in the third period to put it away. And quite frankly, the second one probably just should have been on TJ Oshie, but whatever. Well, <laughs> uh, no, I'm talking about the, it, it, I, that, that the one, first set. That, no, that was the first set. They, oh, they okay, gave, okay, okay, okay. They gave, apparently at the end, Scott Lawton and Tom Wilson kind of got it. Oh, they, right. They right, gave right. them 20, you know, penalties at 20 minutes, at the 20 they minute throw mark. Out of the game, yeah. Well, no, it was, the game was over. They gave, they literally assessed two penalties at the, at the buzzer. Fantasy players everywhere pumping their fist. If, well, if you're in a league that counts. Oh, yeah. Penalty minutes, then yes, I hear you. Um, but the thing about what, like, to me, the thing about what they're doing here also is, is that, you know, like I said, it's in the course of about a little, you know, two weeks and a couple days, probably, they've earned 14 points in the standings. Way too and, many. <laughs> and it, but but it's but it, okay but this is why it's this is why it's a little bit remarkable and you kind of already like you joked that like you're joking a little bit about the st louis blues thing but 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 here's the am thing. i am i joking i don't know because here's the thing that's me remarkable. either but here's the thing because here's the thing that's remarkable to me we've had these because we've had conversations all throughout the course of the season in the not so distant past already as we're and we're watching this now i wrote an article a few weeks back you know, because, you know, and, and basically I'll, I'll give you the premise of the article and then I'll tell you the date it was written. 
because the premise was, and you'll remember because we, we talked about this, was about how John Tortorella spoke to the media on one, uh, you know, one given day, like he does every day. Right. And then Chuck Fletcher spoke, and the messages were completely different. Right. That was that. That was when Chuck Fletcher comes out and hits everybody with the "We're only five points out of a wild card spot" stuff yep. and all that. That was December second that I wrote about that and talking about the mixed messages and what, like, what are you talking about and hitting five us with weeks this line of, right, and hitting us with that line. I'm giving it six, but yes. Okay. Six weeks later, you're playing as well as you have all year, and you're back to within six points of a playoff spot. And I'm not trying to sit there and like run that line out there, like, like trying to be believing of it. But, right. but here's the thing. We said like it was like truthfully, it was kind of like elevator conversation leaving the game on Wednesday. Right. They're only seven out of a playoff spot, by the way. Like, I don't think they're going to do it, but they're seven out. And then three days later, and then three days later, you gained on the team again. Yeah. Like. Like you're closing the gap and to think about where like that conversation was was had then they didn't exactly gain a ton of points in early December, right? Like. Like they maybe like they snapped their streak. They beat the Islanders to snap a streak. They lost four that or five of the next six or something like that, or five of the next seven, because they had a couple wins thrown in. They beat Colorado, who was shorthanded as anything, and then it took them until they could they stole a game against the New Jersey Devils. Yep. Like before they had won again, and other than that, the only other like so okay. So I'm sorry. They had lost 10 games in a row. I'm counting this out now. They had lost 10 in a row, beat the Islanders to snap that streak, and then prior to the Christmas break won three more games total. A couple more went to overtime, so I'll give them that. It's like that two overtime it's games point, in there. It's like, yeah. it's like, well, two overtime games in there is like another win. Yeah. Okay, you got two more points. But they got eight points in the standings from November 8th, ironically, when they played the St. Louis Blues, since we're bringing it all back to St. Louis. Um, they got eight total points in the standings, or I'm sorry, not eight total. I'm sorry. There's a few more in there because there's more overtime losses in there. They got 11 because there's three more in there. 11 total points from November 8th to Christmas. 11. And then two weeks later, they have 14 more. Ringing it up like a slot machine. <laughs> and it's not like they played like, and I'm look, they, they beat Columbus in that stretch. And Columbus has, isn't a very good team either. I get that, but it's not like they played like they lost to Columbus twice in that stretch earlier. They lost to Montreal in a shootout where they were one second away from winning the game. They lost to Arizona in overtime. They were losing to teams that they have been beating now because they are playing better than they were then. And, you know, like, again, with the thing with the six points out of a playoff spot, I'm not saying they're going to make it. I'm not even saying it's going to necessarily be close. Right. But it's actually more of a possibility today than it was like two months ago. Well, it's just not out as outrageous a thought as as it was as once believed if they keep playing like this. It's a big if, but if it does become more consistent, kind of like we all initially thought, right? Like we kind of said, well, this is yep. the John Tortorella year one effect. Yep. At some point, stuff that's 100% starts to click. What it, is. it starts yep. to click and guys who are like, but and that's why I bring up the usual suspects kind of thing. It's not like, OK, James and Reams, I scored against Washington on Saturday. How many times prior to that had he scored during this stretch of games? It wasn't him. No. It wasn't even Wade Allison for the most part, right? Like it, it was, was Travis Konechny. No, but it was constantly Travis yeah. Konechny. Scott Lawton's in on it. Joel Farabee's getting in on it. Owen Tippett's scoring goals. Like, you yeah. know, and then, you know, hold for the occasional game. You know, Morgan Frost is out there putting up four points when it's Arizona every time because that's Wild. what he does. Um, but, like, you know what I mean? But, like, and and then defensively, 
most of the time the points are either Travis Anheim or Tony D'Angelo. Yeah. But but and usually like like it's when they score a power play goal. Ironically, their power play for the most part has been awful. But the last couple of games against Washington, they've scored a goal and it's the first one it establishes from the beginning we're here. We're going to play a, like we're here to play a game tonight. This is not just roll over and die and the Washington Capitals are better than the Flyers, right? This is we're here to play and we're going to do cuz cuz they're not just scoring on those power plays. They scored on those power plays less than 15 seconds in on both. It's yeah, just, just which is insta, crazy. Insta cash in like well, this this upcoming week is this team needs to figure out what it's doing. And it needs to figure oh, it out quickly because here's the problem. Like, yes, they've won seven of eight. By by Friday morning, that could very easily be eight of ten. Or um, what would that be? Nine of eleven? They could easily be at nine of eleven on Friday morning. I almost would say expect it. Right, because because there's two ga- like the two games in there that they're playing on home ice, no less, against two of the worst Anaheim teams in the Chicago, league. Two teams that are actually embarrassing. Right, but here's the thing: how does Chuck Fletcher <laughs> not convince himself that nine out of eleven means they're good? Like I. <sighs> Okay, and the reason they need to figure it out is because we're starting to see trade things swirling, right? We're starting to well, talk right, but- about some names that may or may not be available. We're starting to talk about this, that, the other. Well, and for what? And it's if worth- they keep winning games, he's not going to be able to trade them. That's. I don't think that's the case at all, actually. Because man, no, 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 no. Just hold on. I'll tell you why. To me, the. The, the deadline this year is going to get overblown when it comes to the Flyers because, to me, they got two guys that they're definitely moving, and that's probably about it, to be honest. Like, And I don't see that changing. I don't think that, to be honest, you tell me, and, and, and maybe this is something that, no, and seriously, with the way that they're playing right now, tell me that there's not, like, I, I'm going to go back on something that I said because earlier, like weeks ago, because it changes the dynamic. It almost is going to lead to something like this because you start to talk yourself into, are we really in this race or not? Yep. What are the odds that Sean Couturier plays this year now? Much higher. Sure. Because now you're thinking about it and you're going, Hey, you know what? If they get to the point where he's ready and they're five points out if of a playoff, adding spot, him, right. If they're then adding him, well, even if you're adding him Nikita Kucherov style, if he's not ready in time, right. But before okay, that, but like, but here's a totally like for, for like James Andrews like is one of the obvious guys who's yeah. probably going to get moved right. Yeah. Here's one of the easiest ways to defend moving him and still bringing a player into the picture that makes total sense for the situation, whether they are trying to actually be involved in a playoff race right. or whether they're just kind of in the middle of the pack like we like they Expect have them right? To be. Right. right. When Bobby Brink is ready to come back. Don't you just replace it like James and Reams like with him? Fair enough. And say we still trade Van Reams like, but Brink's gonna get the minutes. And if Bobby Brink comes in and is great, okay. And here, but but it makes total sense because yep. you're gonna do with Brink what you've done with Wade Allison and with you know some of these with Noah Cates and some of these other guys. I, I want to see what he is. Yep. And you should want to see what he is, and you should want to see what he is for probably you know let's say if he's not up before the deadline then you want to see everything from the deadline. I mean, the, the right. deadline is going to hit at a point where they have played one game out of, I want to say it's something like 
13 or 14 more games in March, and then they have seven or eight, I'm sorry, in April. So okay. you're going to give – no. So if Brink came up on March 3rd when the deadline happens. Right. Wouldn't you want to be – like, wouldn't seeing him for the final 20 games of the year make perfect sense? Absolutely. Hey, it's a 20-game tryout. You know, you were hurt for the whole off season. You couldn't do training camp. You got a month and a half, two months playing in the minors. By the way, his first two minor league games, he scored his first two pro goals. Yep. So it's like – so already you're seeing, like, Success. okay. Well, yeah. because, like, I looked at that and I went – here he's going to be what Joel Farabee was a little bit where it's like it's going to it's not going to take long before you realize he's above this and just right? a just a reminder by the way in case you forgot listening to this one of the best names in hockey his name is literally Bobby or Brink come on <laughs> come on but that's what I'm saying like that becomes like Braun's already getting cycled in and out of the lineup as it is so if you trade Justin Braun all right, so Nick Sealer probably plays in there. Maybe by that point in the season, maybe instead of either of those guys, you sit there and you say, Igor Zamula, come on down and we'll give you a try for the last 20. But but even if you don't, like, then play Nick Sealer with, you know, with Rasmus Ristolainen on the third pair for the rest of the season. Let Cam York get the big minutes. Let Ivan Provorov continue to play in his role. Let, you know, the middle pair be the middle pair because that's what it is right now. Like, that, that it's one of the only stable ones I think we've seen. Like, it's like it's it's very funny how when I think when Braun comes in, they move York back to play on the left side. Right. And when Steelers in, they put York on the right side. It's 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 interesting. I yeah. actually don't ha- I don't hate that dynamic. I kind of no, like, they're, they're not, they're not the dynamic. And- I, I, I like York playing bigger minutes, higher, higher, higher level competition. Right side. I love it. I think Fair. that's great for his development. I agree. But but. For the time being, like, but I think there's, like, my point is, I think there's natural replacements for the two guys you're going to move anyway that you're not going to be, like, it's not like you're going to suddenly turn around, change your tune, and go, oh, wait, we should try to buy. Like, I don't think it's going to be well, that. And I don't first think- of all, it's Chuck Fletcher, so I'm always worried about that. No, I know, but I, I really don't think that there's a reason to do it. I don't think like, there's an appetite. I th- I th- but that's what I'm buy. saying. I think I think right now you just stay the course because a lot oh. of the orders of business, a lot of the names that you're talking about that are out there in these trade rumors are names for the offseason. They're not names for the here and now. I think I don't see a, I don't see teams moving for that, like making moves for that kind of money or term in March. I just don't. I think in the in the world we live in where teams are getting more and more creative with the salary cap. I think teams are more willing to take on a little bit of term if it means cost certainty. Um, oh, I think no, I th- and that's why I think trades like this happen in the off season though, because it's well, more pre planning. But well, what I'm saying is you tend you're seeing more and more one and a half year rentals rather than just that twenty game rental. Right, that's fair. But um, the problem is that every name that comes up for the Flyers is not one, even one and a half years. It's always it's two or more. And I understand. Like, what do you do about that? But I think if the team is truly serious about heading in, maybe not a full blown tear it all down rebuild, but a little bit of a two or three year, you know, repositioning. Right. You can hold on to, for example. And I've a, a piece of the Ivan Provorov contract. Now, and the reason I say that, if you're watching on our YouTube channel, we have the banner up. Um, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, by the way. Uh, 
As recently mentioned by Elliot Friedman on a 32 Thoughts podcast, Ivan Provorov's name has come up in trade rumors. Now, it doesn't sound like there's anything concrete. Elliot said he didn't really even have a good feel for kind of what teams were calling. Mm-hmm. But it's out there, and the Flyers right. are listening. And Provorov has, what, two years left at 6.7, 6.675, something six, like that? 6.75, yeah, 6.75, right. two years after this season, obviously. So it's about two and a half, really. Right. So even if the Flyers don't retain a ton, even if they retain like one 1.75 and get it to a $5 million for the rest of this year and two more. Right. That feels like the kind of thing that they could get a monstrous return for. Monstrous. It's it's among them, that's for sure. I mean, it's it's interesting. First of all, I want to address the, the rumors a little bit because of the fact that it's an... It's a name that I think has been kind of speculated as a like, would they ever consider it kind of thing? Because I agree. Because and we've talked about this before, where there were times where we would sit there and go like, what, like what? Not even it's not even what Provorov. What is Provorov doing? It's like almost like to an extent, like what is he talking about? Like he would have these moments where there was clear, like the frustration is evident. Yes, you know, and we've talked about that before. And I started to kind of get the impression late last season as the offseason approached like who knows what kind of like because we even said who knew what kind of offseason we were going to see especially if they go aggressive is he a guy who they would ever consider moving because it sounds like everybody's frustrated here maybe this is just one of these things where it's becoming time they didn't obviously and there's an you know and there's an element of of just even talking about this that's that's disappointing and it's not because Uh, yes well and 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 uh, to be honest it, I, what I'm disappointed about is going to be way more short short term than what you're probably thinking of because you're right. probably thinking of the overall big picture where it was. Listen, two years into this guy's career, the fact that they never got him a partner. Well, no, but, no, I'm saying, but two years two years into this guy's career, we were sitting here talking about how this is the prototypical flyer player who battles it out, guts it out through anything. His shoulders falling out of his that out, of, out of his arm socket, and he's crying oh, in the locker room because they sobbing. lost. Sobbing. You know what I mean? And everybody embraced that about him, and he yep. had gr- and he had some great years around the, that year. Don't get me wrong. The thing I think that is frustrating is, is that the long term is is that that's what he started as, and he was a seventh overall pick and all this type of stuff. And you think high expectations, things, right? Yep. I think that there's an element of disappointment in the short term or frustration in the short term that I think everybody wanted to see what would happen if he played under Tortorella. Okay. See if it would, because Tortorella's gotten young defensemen with high ceilings before. He he elevated Zach Wierenski. Exactly. Like Zach Wierenski is a perfect example, and to an well, and even to an extent, he did it a little bit with Seth Jones. Now Seth Jones is like uh, way lesser extent. I think the Wierenski example is way the the Wierenski example is way more perfect because of the fact of from the age comparison to they're the same player. Well, (laughs) stages of career to all of it. And he worked on that and got him to be a high quality player, an elite, elite, elite level, elite level, clear cut top pairing defenseman. If Columbus was good, Zach Wierenski would get Norris attention. Well, and you know what? The sad part is, is we'll never know the answer because he got I, hurt so early in the year. That that's that's part of the reason why they're one of those teams that you sit there and you say, "Oh." Okay. I just mean in general. If they're no, a no, no, good I know. Team, I, like, he's the one getting Norris attention. No, the second, for look, sure. the se- no, the second that that news came out about Wierenski this year that he was done, it their was, season it, was 
Chop. But it was but it was disappointing because a lot of people who like, you know, and, and I, you know, I've said this before about from from my position. I'm just a hockey fan. Right. I go down. I enjoy watching some of the guys that come into town just as much as I do watching the team. You know, I have to watch the Flyers 82 games a year. Have to. And, <laughs> yeah, I, I know it's a tough life. I leave. Um, but like you when you watch them, you start to develop like a. I just like the way, like, I, I know what I'm going to get every single time I go to show up to watch this guy 82 times a year or, or the 41 that I do at home or whatever, right? I know what I'm going to get, and I like this guy for that, right? Like, like Wade Allison's becoming a fun guy because you see, like, off the ice, he's a little bit of a goofball. Absolutely. And on the ice, he's he's a really, he's becoming a really solid player. Yep. I, I feel that way about, so I feel like there's there's a fun element to him. I've always felt that way about, like, and it was a shame because I, I know, like, this is one, and I'll admit I'll admit defeat on this one because this is not ha- – there's no way this is happening based on the way he's going. But I had told you last year, gut feeling, I didn't think Travis Konechny was surviving the offseason. But they gave him one more chance under Tortorella. And I love – and again, another great comparison because Tortorella says, has said multiple times, I see a lot of Cam Atkinson at, in it. Oh, yeah. When I, from when he had him in Columbus. And I agree. I think yep. you've got a leader. I think you've got a, a scorer. Like you've got guys, like you've I think, got a guy. I, I think you've produce. got a winner. Like they, the team hasn't won yet. Sure, but he's a winner. He can be. I mean, yeah. he's one of these guys who you can see coming out on the other side. I can say that much. So, but but I've always like it was frustrating the last two years to watch him, and that's why my gut feeling was maybe he just needs to get out of here because I get that because it was like. What happened to the guy that I was watching for three years in a row who scored 24 a year? You're like, I think all this the guys losing, having a ton of fun. Well, that's what I mean. I think he like, fell out of love with hockey for a little bit. And he and he kind of like he kind of talked about it a little bit after Wednesday. Yeah, like that was a big thing. Like, you know, and it, it kind of does come to that. Like, it, it's just tough. Like, well, well and it was a lot of he's, like he's always been an emotional player. And with with the highs come the lows. Right. Because like, look. We still go back to funny. We're talking about the 2019 season again. Jeez, we go. We always, but we always go back to that stadium series and him barking at Jake Gensel and <laughs> Evgeny Malkin and stuff, right? Like, and just yapping away because that's who he is, also. But, but it's a lot more fun when he's. Yeah, when he, it's a lot more fun when he's in that Brad yeah. Marshawn kind of mode, like that mold where he's, absolutely where he's a talented scorer, but he's also a pest. He and could be like, Brad Marshawn if he wanted to be. I mean, Absolutely. Maybe, maybe I don't. I don't want to jump that far ahead, but I know what you're saying. Like he, I get what you're saying. Like he can be that that role on this team. Yes, that's what top, I mean. He's, he's right. A top there. line quality player who scores a lot of goals, but also is a pest. He's yes. in the same mold. Absolutely. But but the, but the, I think that the disappointment. Like it's almost like that. The opposite of that is the disappointment with Provorov that this isn't happening under Tortorella. That he om- like he's having one of the worst offensive seasons he's had in his career. To this point, like, you know, and I think he added to it a little bit because I, I when I, I remember like when I wrote about the rumors, it was a little earlier in the week. So, yeah, yeah. OK, he had an, an assist. So he was at two goals and 14 points. So he's up to 15 now. But like 15 points in 43 games when at one point in time you were 13 goals and 36 points in 69 games or 17 goals and 41 points in 82 games. That's not good. You know, like, right. Like even even the fifty six game season, he was seven goals, twenty six points. It's like okay, there's a forty goal there, or forty goal, forty point defenseman in there, right? You know, maybe you know, maybe approaching fifty. You saw that with like, because 
and, and look, it was impossible not to think that way. He had his 41 point season in year two of his career. Yep. You're like, you're like, this guy's getting 50 at some point. Then it's only a second year. He's only 20. I think that big dip in his third season, I really think it was that shoulder injury. I think Probably. that bothered him that entire season. And I don't think we put enough stock into that as a city. And everyone just went, oh, well, he's bad now. No, because for that season, he was bad. I'm yeah, not but, gonna defend it. No, but but he followed that up with the 13 goal, 36 point season in the 69 games with Matt Niskin in where it was like where it was like everything fell into place. Right. Well, he's producing Matt, at that level and he's got a partner who works. And was, since then they've been I, trying to unlock that. Yeah. I also wanted to mention that is that Matt Niskanen is the only real partner Ivan Provorov's ever had. You know, him and Travis Sanheim famously did not work out. He was with Ivan or he was with Andrew McDonald for just it felt like a thousand years right um, i get you and the only real and then they finally tried to get him an elite level partner to really unlock that 1d potential that he's got and where's ryan ellis the, the guy played four games and that maybe he's on a milk get. carton somewhere right um so the fact if Ivan Provorov ends up getting traded, whatever the trade looks like, whatever the return, whatever the this, that, the other, in my eyes, I'm going to look at it a lot like the Nolan Patrick trade in the sense that the organization failed the player. And I think that Ivan Provorov is a prime candidate, by the way, to go win a Norris like next year with somebody else. I don't know about that, and I'll tell you. And I'll tell you why. Maybe I feel not that way. next year, but you. No, know but I'll tell you why. I'll tell you. I'll tell you why I feel that way. And and listen, he can prove me wrong if he goes somewhere else and does that. That's fine. We keep talking about for the last three years because it was oh Matt Niskanen was great for him. Look what it did for his career. Like he was on pace. He was going to have a career year. He had. You're not going to tell me that with 13 games left in the season that year, assuming that it didn't get halted, that he wasn't going to get six more points. And maybe four more goals to match the career high in goals. 100%. I don't know about the four goals, but the six points was definite. He was going to get it. He six points in thirteen games. He was going to get it. and He was going to match his career high or to pass it. Um, it's everything since like we've kind of like it's almost like it's become a defense mechanism for him. They okay, they did him a disservice the next year when Niskin retired, and the best thing you could throw next to him was Eric Gustafson. Yes. I get that. Yep. But the year after you took a shot, it didn't work. And as much as you're like, as much as we can sit there and say they never like found a partner that was like Matt Niskin, and it can't be that you can't be that locked in on one guy over the entire course of his career before you sit there and you look at the player himself and go, listen, as a seventh overall pick, first round, you're e you either like at some point in time you you just become like it's you are what you are. You know what I mean? Like well, and I. Think like what he, he, he might be a really good two, like a two D or three. Okay. You know what I mean? Like it, I hate to say that. I, I think that the ceiling is higher than that. I still do. It's just imagine, imagine the LA Kings grab him. Right. And, and that is speculation. And I get put, that. Put him next to Drew Doughty for the last, you know, let him for prop, what, like the last prop two up years the aging, right. Prop up the aging husk of Drew Doughty. That's a little, a little rub it, a little rub off. I could easily see him elevating his game to an elite level. Maybe. Um, and that's but, the thing about Ivan Provorov is that we always see it. I don't the know. Th 
the the issue I have with that though again is okay. Look, listen. If you need to be traded to a place like LA to play alongside Drew Doughty for a couple of years to reach that level of your game, to play alongside somebody better than Andrew McDonald, better than Eric Gustafson, better than the chemistry him and Travis Sanheim but clearly the, don't okay, have. But, no, but the, but the issue is that okay. But then the one year then shouldn't be an outlier. Is my point. The year that you play with Matt Niskanen and you look that good, it shouldn't just disappear. You should still be able to somewhat carry an Eric Gustafson or a. But I think he, I would Travis argue that he did. I would argue that he did. I don't. Maybe the year with Gustafson, I I think you could. Okay, maybe you can level with that one. But the last two years, I don't like. There's no explanation for why nobody else on the roster works right now, like That's defensively. Fair. That okay. that there's no explanation for. I mean, maybe you know. Like that—that's—that's that's the difference. Like, okay, the year that he, I'll give you—I'll give you the year with Gustafson because in 56 games in a year where they were terrible, he's still a plus four. Yeah. So yes, he is finding a way to still be successful despite the fact that Gustafson was his primary partner. And he I was playing—he was playing really, really good defensive hockey that year. Or, or better yet, ability. or I'm sorry, it wasn't even that Gustafson was his primary partner because I think by the end that th- that wasn't the case. I think that toward the like later on it was, you know, it probably was again. It was like Justin Braun was probably the primary, or or maybe they tried the Sandheim thing. So he they kept they kept going back to Justin Braun because Justin Braun's the only one who played logical defense, and that's what worked with Ivan Provorov to an extent. I mean, it, it, they did that a lot, <laughs> but they did that a lot last year, and it just didn't, you know, it that's just didn't fair. work out. So. Like, 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 because this is the thing. I don't think that Provrov is having necessarily, a, like, it's not necessarily a bad year because, like, we're focused, like, everybody's going to, like, I know, everybody's going to be fixated in on the two goals thing because it's not even close to anywhere he's been in his career prior. Right. The 13 assists that he's got, though. Pretty on pace. No, he's nine away from what he had last year yeah. in 79 games. Yeah. Do you think that in forty three games that like that's the like kind of the about right? He's pretty on pace, yeah. You know, like nineteen and fifty six. You know, there's well, still thirteen games to get six more. That's probably still right. on pace, right? Like, I don't like, and even halfway through fifteen. Okay, so you're on pace for about that thirty point year. Maybe you get a little hot and you can get to thirty five, and that's right about what you've been. But I think, but I think that people want, especially when you're picked in the top ten of a draft. People want Roman Yossi. They want Adam Fox. They want the guy who is like, oh, you, yeah, you put up 55, 60 points sometimes, or you could. That's fair. And, and, and I don't know that, I don't know that Provorov is, has ever been that defenseman. No, but I'm also willing to bet that prime Provorov is better than, better defensively than either of the guys you mentioned. Maybe not Adam Fox. He's excellent defensively. I think Yossi's a really good defenseman too. He's really good, but I think Provorov, Provorov was shut down. Like think for a, about yeah, for a while. Think, yeah, think about Ivan Provorov in that playoff series against Pittsburgh. Like I know they lost. He was playing fantastic hockey. No, nah, but I, I I think to your point, especially because he was playing with and again this was the year with Niskanen, so I get it, it was a career year. But right. he's he was good in the playoff bubble. He was. That, he was great. That's in that how bubble. you win. That's how you win at that stage. You do need to be really good there, and he was. They got they got you know almost through two rounds, and they, Ivan Provorov was a huge part of that. I mean, think about how many goals they gave up to in that Islander series specifically. No, he was a plus two for the playoffs in 16 games with yep. eight points. Like he was really good in that playoff, but, but, it, yeah. but it's kind of, but it's very much like, it's almost like his last two years were very much like what Travis Konechny went through. They were, they took a turn down and Konechny's now found a way to kind of revitalize his game. 
and Provorov hasn't as much. Like he's still a, like in a in a defensive system like Tortorella preaches. He's still a big minus compared okay. to the rest of the team, and his production's down. And it's like, so what are we doing here exactly? And is like, and is he buying? Like it's almost like is he buying into the Tortorella stuff because maybe that's part of it too. Like maybe. you know, and and that's why I think there's legitimate there's legitimacy to the rumors. I don't like, and again, I like I, I said, I don't like. It's not going to happen during the season to me. Okay, that that's it, it's it's just not. I can't, especially like let's just wait. You're asking the question also, kind of around. Well, what happens? Like, wh- where does this go if they're still in this race in in some way? Right. Right. Well, then why would they do anything? And maybe the player will feel a little bit better too because it's a little less frustrating to be in a race. Well, and that's kind of what I'm what I'm saying is they need to figure it out because if you're going to lose and be a team that's in the lottery, then trade people away. But like, well, if you're going to try to make a run, if you're going to try to be this team and kind of let this run continue a little well, bit. And, and that was my point of the whole, like, when we started the conversation, that was my yeah. whole point because they can do both. They can sell like they can sell the two pieces that everybody assumes are going to be sold. And if you're going to replace them still, with assets you already have in the organization, right? Like, right. like if if you're just looking for who's going to play in the top nine in place of James and Reams, like, oh wait, Bobby Brink's coming back healthy. That okay, out well, let's right. put him in. He's not the same player as James and Reams, like at all. No, but he fills a roster spot. But it's a guy who can go in, and you say, okay, let's see him now too. Right. You know, okay, fine. You've got something to work with there. And I think defensively, you're like Braun's already not playing defensively. So, right. so you're going to just do it just for the sake of doing it, right? And it's like, like that's why I think that there's like you can actually go to 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 this point. You can go status quo for the rest of the season. Trade the two players that everybody thinks you're trading. Get what you can back in return, and reevaluate. And and still and still do everything else for the rest of the season the exact same way. And if There's John Tortorella coaches you to you know a playoff right, because, run, then he does. Right, because you're worried about like you just asked like you got to figure out what you are right, right. or like like whether you're because well, if the you're playoff- gonna because if, if you're heading to the bottom, you need to start heading to the bottom yesterday. Like the well, fact that they've won seven out of eight is a disaster. Then I'm going to tell you what my belief is because I was going to give you an answer to your question because I think there already okay. is an answer. I, I think there already is an answer. They're not that. They're not lottery. I mean, it just is what it is. And, what you know, it, 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 you know, you, listen. I think the goaltending is too good to be a lottery. I, we've been talking about it. But if, if, well, this, if this team had league average goaltending, and I'm talking in terms of um, goalie quality, not numbers. Right. If, this team ha- if this team had league average quality goaltenders, they would be much closer. They'd be pretty terrible. But something else clicked beyond the goaltending, though. That's the other. Oh thing. no, I agree. Like, like they were still getting that goaltending. They got off to a seven-three and two start, and were still pushing for third place, like third, third in the. But they'd be lo- in the lottery they'd be, ranks. They'd be losing six-five instead of winning five-three. That's well, kind of what I, I'm saying. Yeah, I hear you, but like my point being, just like they were there, even with the goaltending that they had. Right. It's like stuff has changed they've they've structured things better so that the goaltending isn't leaned upon like it was they're scoring a few more goals which creates more cushion like yep. like like there there becomes a certain there not, not becomes there comes a certain point in games when as 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 it plays out in front of you 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 hit a point of realization where you're like they're winning this game right like there yeah. comes a certain point like 
I love that you just switched that banner because that was I, I actually I did a I did a radio spot before the Wednesday game, and I got asked that very question. Like at the time, it was because at the time it was five of six. Is this is, a good is, thing? Is this a right. good thing? And and my answer was like uh, you know, I, as I typically tend to do, as you've seen, as everybody who listens to our show knows, and as if if you listen to me on the radio as well, then you've heard me say this or you've heard me give answers like this before. I gave kind of a very diplomatic answer, if you will, which was depends on who you ask. Oh, no, I'm going to go with a firm yes. I believe this run is a good thing because, like you said, they're not lottery. Well, they're just not. But they could have been at some point, I think, which is why my answer was depends on who you ask. Right. Like, if you asked if you asked people at Christmas time. Like, and that was the thing, like, that was the last time I was on the air was for state of the teams. And my answer was kind of like that, like they haven't put anything together. There's no guarantees that they're going to even beat a team like Arizona when they come home or Anaheim or whatever. Like there's no guarantees. We haven't seen them play them yet. And they've lost right. games to the likes of Columbus and Montreal and teams that are down there. Right. Like they, they had already lost to Arizona that month in overtime. Right. So there was, they had lost to San Jose in October. There was no reason to believe that they were going to go out and beat these teams like those teams, like, like the lottery teams that those teams are. There was no reason to believe it at Christmas. So the thought was, you know, what's the state of the team? It's just not good because everything is still terrible. Well, because every like they're playing the way they are. They haven't made any changes in any area yet. Like, it's almost like, what are they waiting for? Like, do you really think it's going to get any better? And then the irony is, is that last they come back in two weeks and two weeks since it has gotten better. So I even said, like, my answer was to is this a good thing was depends on who you ask. If you ask anybody sitting in the front office right now, it's a good thing because winning saves your job. Right. Straight up. When, you know, it's a business that's run on winning and they are winning games. So as long as they're winning games, there's not really a reason to change anything, is there? Kind no. of, right? Well, it's a good thing to the coach because the coach gets validated for everything he's putting into this, that it's a developmental process. It's going to take some time. And now they're at a point where they can feel good about themselves. And he said that as he said as much, which right. is great. It's I think this is the point that you really want to make, which is it's a really good thing for the players to see it, this and experience it. Yes. Which that I agree with wholeheartedly. Right. So we've talked on this show before and you have been a big proponent of the fact that uh, bare bones, tear it all down, rebuilds don't work. Or they take too long or whatever. You're vaguely against it. I think I know what you're getting at because my point typically is that you can't you can't just rid yourself of 20 guys on a roster. There's There's got to be somebody. Right. And it, it may be, you know, maybe the majority do go. But, like, so, there's got to be five people on a 20-man roster that you sit there and you say, I can work with this. So if you're How not, do I work? So if you're not stripping it all the way down, if, mm-hmm. if you are going to keep a large portion of the roster and kind of not work around the edges, like they're still making major changes, but you you know what I'm saying. You're not, mm-hmm. ter- you're not trading Scott Lawton, for example. Sure. Um, then you cannot poison the room. And Fair. if they're not going to be a bottom five team, if they're just going to win enough games, just keep them in the blah, blah, blah. A run like this, seven out of eight, is good for the boys. They get to have some fun for a couple weeks. They get to take the sweat off. They, they're not dreading showing up to the rink every night. And for the long-term success of the Wade Allisons and the Joel Farabees and the Cam Yorks and these guys that are young and we expect to kind of see the rebuild through, I, for their long-term 
mental health with the team, for lack of a better term. I think it's an incredible thing. So I'm gonna bring I, I I'm gonna bring up kind of not three points, but it's gonna like it's one point that's gonna have three okay. like four, three bullets. Well, kind of because it's gonna be over the sequence of time because. So I didn't go to I wasn't I was I didn't attend the game against Toronto on Sunday because I kind of was just feeling a little, just a little off. I was tired and there was to not to mention the fact that there was an Eagles home game being played three hours before puck drop that I kind of was like, you know what, is tonight the night to deal with this? Probably not. So I stayed home, and I just watched the 6-2 drubbing from home. Um, nice. But but the Arizona game I went to, and I went to the Washington game this week, and they won both games, played really well in both, very convincingly, right? And the room was fun after it's over. They're, like The music's going. They're having a good time. There's some jokes being thrown around. Like, the boys are having fun. Like, you can sense that, right? Let me just give you a story here because, and I can't take credit for it because I don't, I don't do the road games. Some of the other media do, like, some of the more localized road games. I don't think many of them go, like, not many of them went West Coast. I can tell you that much. Fair. But, but Charlie O'Connor tweeted this after the game was over because they, he was at the game last night in Washington, right? Goes into, um, they, they go to go into the room and I'll read the tweet because this, this, this shows you, this is a team that's, having some fun. So the Flyers are playing I Miss You by Blink-182 in the locker room after the win. As the media came in, the PR lowered the sound just before Tom's verse began. Patrick Brown and Scott Lawton yell out, what are you doing? That's the best part of the song. Like, personalities come out when you're having When fun. you're winning, right. And when you're when, winning. When you're losing, everyone goes to their locker room, gets dressed, and goes home. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I'm saying is if you're going to have a long-term success with any of the guys in the room currently, you have to make sure that we're not, you know, we're not dreading showing up to work every day. Right. Which, which, cause here was the thing to like, if you're asking the question, like, is, is this a good thing? Right. Yeah. Every, like the answer is yes for every aspect of the organization. Now, in some cases, and like, like I, I was very blunt about it when it came to the front office because it's like, yes, like w winning seven out of eight literally keeps you employed. Uh, right. I get that. Like, and then there's the fans. No, but like, no, but like John Tortorella doesn't have to worry about employment this year. No. So winning seven out of eight just validates his tactics of it, right? Well, and he's, and he's trying to make the playoffs, I'm sure. Like, I know he's doing this process thing and blah, blah, blah. But when you win seven out of eight, you got to start thinking about I it. I don't think he is, though. I think, you know, okay. I think, no, like, and I'll tell you, like, I'll tell you what I mean by that. They're not going to talk about it for anything. Tortorella doesn't look at the standings. He, or it says he, or at least he says he, he certainly does. doesn't watch the all-star game. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. Didn't you like that one? That was a fun one. That was fun. Um, but either way, um, but it validates the way he goes about it, right? The way that a Tortorella team turns out, especially as a year goes on when they buy in like that and all that type of stuff. And, and like we said, for the players, it's just about a feel-good thing. Like it, it wear, like, And Tortorella said that. Lo the losing wears on you. If, absolutely. If, if, so, so you absolutely deserve to feel good about yourselves. But it's a fine line between getting too high and yeah. coming to work. You know, like you still have a lot of work to do, but you can't get too high up on the fact that you've won seven of eight. You hear that, kids? You can't get too high and come to work. <laughs> I love how you put that. But it, okay, but if you're at, but okay, so, but, but like I said, so it depends on who you ask with this question, right? 
because I think that most of the fans would say, no, this is not a good thing because two, two and a half weeks ago, like I said, the, two and a half weeks ago, before they came back from the holiday break, they, they've earned 14 points in that time. So they had 29 points. Do you know how many teams have fewer than 29 points right now? Uh, most of them. No, fewer. Oh, than. oh, 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 I'm sorry. Um, not, not a lot. Three. Yeah. Not, and not two, no, two of them have 28. So, I'm, and I'm not sitting here trying to tell you that over and, the course of that time they were going to come into town this week. No, but, and I'm not, I'm not trying to tell you that over the course of that time they weren't going to win. Period, or get a game to overtime or something, right? Like, 29 points. You could have, you could have talked me into over the course of the next eight games out of the break from that 29 points that they would win two and maybe get another two to overtime. I could have okay. been talked into that, and yeah. they would have gotten six points total. So then, then let's put them at what would that be? 35. Then they're still right there with San Jose, and and Arizona probably has f- fewer games, and that so that there's a game in hand, so it's like being like two back or three back or whatever it would be. Like you'd be competing with the same teams if it was the same pace, right? Like if they would have gone out and w- won two games, let's even give them one out of the other six in overtime, so it's right. five. Then you're tied with San Jose, three up on Arizona, and six up on Columbus and Anaheim, and. And Anaheim, you're going to play twice because you haven't or you're going to play one more time. I'm sorry. But maybe that game was maybe that game wasn't a win. Like, what if you lost that? What was what if that was the overtime loss? Right. So they gain a point on you. So they're not at 28. They're at 29 or 30 because they won the game. You know what I mean? For the standings, this win streak is terrible. Absolutely. But that's the point because. But like, okay. But at the same time. And this is a point that I want to make when it comes to like, I understand. And, and we've been doing it every week on this show where it's like, hey, by the way, did you see what Bedard's numbers are? are now? Oh, I have by the, by the, 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 I would say, by the way, do you want to go into that? Because he came back from freaking world juniors, six had, points a, in his first game had a four goals, six point game to start and then had th- and had a hat trick in five, I think, in the next <laughs> then, one. Is that what it was? And then the Flyers decided to start winning. So he had 11 <laughs> points in two games. It's hilarious. I know. Connor Bedard is on another level and the flyers can't stop winning oh i hate this team <laughs> oh so much it's Here's awful the, um, uh, let me now uh, let me talk you yeah. let me talk you off of it because I, I know i know where you're going with it but but ha- okay uh, let's let's talk about somebody else instead let's talk about somebody else who impresses with point totals too right okay because there's another player who does that today we're not waiting for him to be on an nhl team he is on one Okay. Connor McDavid is now they've played 45 Ridiculous. games. They've played 45 games. He's got 83 points. <laughs> Stupid. And 37 goals. Okay. So he's we're pretty convinced best player in the world and maybe there's another level for him, right? Like yeah. he keeps getting better every time we think he can't get better, right? He's he's starting to do the Sidney Crosby thing. Like, remember that year Sid went, I'm going to win face-offs now. Went and took <laughs> five million face-offs and then never lost a face-off again. Connor McDavid did that with goals this year. Kind of. I mean, he's nearly a goal per game and he's seven points shy of two points per game. And it's crazy because he likes knocking them out early, too. I feel like every time I check an Oilers score, it's like three, first period. It's three nothing after the first period, and McDavid has two points already. And it's like, what are you just like getting your work done early so you can take a break? Like, 
you're you're actually feeding right into my point, which is great. Insane. The, okay, cause, the, cause it you're feel, into it my feels point. like the kid is playing be a pro on rookie, playing sure. playing the first period, scoring a bunch of goals, and then just simming the rest of the game. Like it's it's insane. Um, because your feet, like I said, you're feeding right into my point here. Okay. So McDavid's ridiculous. Eighty-three points, thirty-seven goals. It's only been forty-five games. Like stupid. Like it's it is stupid. It stupid. is it is very much playing be a pro on rookie mode. It yes. is. He's, he's straight out of a video game, right? Yep. Where are the Edmonton Oilers in the standings? I believe they're outside the playoffs, aren't they? No, they're in. Oh, are they in? Okay. In the they very are, they are in the last wild card spot. Okay. Which means in, that the best the player. Which means that the best player in the world by himself doesn't equate to a division title and being no. a team that gets a more favorable playoff matchup. Like, like you realize who they would play to th- today if the playoff started, right? <laughs> they'd play Vegas. Do you think they'd win? Honestly, Collect- maybe collectively as a team, like honestly, maybe I Just, don't think, Nope. I don't th- think they'd have a chance. And I'll tell you here, why. Here's the thing. It's Connor McDavid. It, like, I, I, I hear you. It's McDavid and I hear you. It's dry cycle, And I hear all that. I still look at the rest of the team and I say, is, is goaltending still a question mark? <sighs> it is. It has been. Okay. You, you defensively, can s- like, I know Logan Thompson's been good this year, but you can say the same thing about Vegas, especially, you know, a guy with no NHL playoff experience. Fair, but at least to this point, it's equated to look how good their start was and look at where they are. Like, I, Vegas the, might win. I think that series goes at least six. That, and that would be fair. I, I understand that. I'm not trying to say like most first round series because of the, how evenly these teams are grouped together usually are tougher. Yeah. My point is, is that McDavid on the best team in the or being the best player in the world isn't making his team better than if we're being realistic, 24 and 21. That's fine. They're three wins more than losses, and you've got the best player in the world putting up nearly two points a night. Stupid. And it doesn't mean that you win majority of your games. Like Vegas is 28, 14, and two. And I sit there and I go, so you've won 12 more games than you lost. That's really good. I can level with that. You know? Yeah, by the way, any any misconceptions about Vegas coming back and being a good team, they've put those to bed. I think that there is a an element of that team that is well coached, obviously. Oh, yeah. There's there's a whole bunch of irony to that because the division the division winners and I know like I'm not gonna stick on the all star game for long here, but the division win or winners, the division leaders at the all star break or at the time of all star voting. Okay. Their coaches are named the coaches of the respective teams. Right. So Jim Montgomery, who used to coach in Dallas, is going to coach for the Atlantic because he's coaching in Boston. Right. Bruce Cassidy, who used to coach in Boston, is going to coach in the Pacific because he's coaching for Vegas now. That's hilarious. Um, at the time that the thing was done, um, Pete DeBoer, who's coaching in Dallas, who used to coach in Vegas, is going to coach for the Central Division. And the only guy who's been with the same team for the entire time is that Rod Brindamore is coaching the Metro. Hilarious. But three coaches who each used to coach the other teams in a crazy triangle effect. That, that is ridiculous. You know, cue up the um, cue up the always sunny meme of all the, uh, you know, the forensics there. Right. Like, right. Like of how this like we're crossing all of our lines here where this coach who used to coach here, who who's also leading their division 
is now going to do this year. Like, like, like that's the thing. Oh, that's like, good. Like, well, because I look not to go and do a whole, although this is a good segue for the upcoming week because the flyers do play the Boston Bruins on Monday afternoon, like not to make this whole Bruins thing, but like people were upset when Cassidy got let go there. That there <laughs> It kind of made no sense. No. And yet, and yet Jim Montgomery's come in. They've been an outstanding team to this point. Obviously they're the best team in the league. Almost starting to approach by a mile, like it's, uh, it's stupid. Like it's, it's they're it's, on it's historic really... pace, and I love it. Like I love how they bounced back. Like they lost. They, they just lost. This <laughs> is it's ridiculous that I'm even going to say it this way. They just lost their first game at home in regulation since last April, in, in early early to mid January. Stupid, and. They came right back and won a game in regulation against Toronto to extend and their division. Got it up to win that game too. Yes, to extend uh, to extend their division lead to eleven points, and their lead on anybody else in in the league to nine. It's crazy, and man, there's I mean there's a but there's a there's a lot of league wide stuff to talk about with that because that one regulation loss that they hadn't had on home ice all year long. Came to Seattle, who is all who is who is no, who is by far the surprise team of this whole season. I mean, Dave Hackstall is firmly, firmly, firmly in the Jack Adams conversation. Oh yeah, I mean it, it has to be at this. He point. might be the favorite. They just they just completed an NHL record seven. They they swept a seven game road trip. Yeah, which is a record. No team in NHL history had done that before. Whew. It's, it, that's it's crazy. Uh, it really is. So, and, and it's, the scary part is, is that they're sitting there with fifty six points, so they're tied for eighth, over, like eighth overall league, league standings wise. Yeah. And they've got two games or one or two games in hand on just about everybody else that's in front of them, except for Boston, where they could easily, with those games, pass Dallas, Winnipeg, Vegas. Like they could be better than all of those teams potentially oh, yeah. in the standings. They, they could be a top five team. It's crazy, and and. And that puts Seattle, by the way, firmly into that Pacific Division race. I also, mean, how good is Matty Beneers? Come on! I look. I could have told you that he's he's. Picked you know, in, it's picked it's, him up it's, in it's, fantasy, baby. It's waiver, oh. waiver, waiver wire pickup. How? Well, you don't you don't I, play in a, I, you don't play in a league with as many teams as I'm used. No, to. No, and it was it was also four or five weeks ago at this point. I picked him up kind of right as he was really starting to cook. It's interesting how he's like the guy that you're paying attention to now, but like they've got other guys who have put up really good offensive numbers all year long. Like, oh yeah, I know. Like I know that. McCann's I know. I like, lost. I lost to Yanni Gord last week. I know. There you go. Yeah. Uh huh. I mean, it, it's stuff like that. So, but, but like, is to, not to try to like we were doing. A, I know we were doing a little bit of league talk there, but like, is like, is it a good thing? I know everybody wants them to be in the lottery. I know everybody wants them to have the shot at getting one of those pieces. Look, at the same time, the World Juniors ended, yep. and Cutter Gauthier went and played on that outdoor rink in, F- in Fenway because he right. plays for Boston College, obviously. Scored a really nice goal as if to say, like, I'm still here. I'm still a really good college player, and the Flyers have him. Right. You still you got know? me coming. I'm on my way. Like, well, and, and and you know what? The re like the, this is the reason why I want to talk people off the ledge a little bit. You can look. You can get the lottery ticket. You can get Connor Bedard. You can get Adam Fantilli. You can get one of these other guys. You can get Leo Carlson. You can get Matt Mitchkoff. Yeah, all of them. We can yep. mention all of them. 
it doesn't mean it's going to work. All of, if you got all of them, it would probably work. <laughs> that's Im- yeah, and that's Im- at least that's impossible. <laughs> but you could get any any one of them and think that you're like, oh, this is the type of guy that they need to turn around. I, I'm not denying that they don't need high-end talent, but at the same time, this is like kind of to go back to kind of the Travis Konechny stuff for a second. And he didn't score in the last game, of course, so it probably dipped his numbers a little bit. By a, by a hair, but like he's at twenty four goals. That's you know, he's tied or not tied. Let's go with more than he's got more goals this season than Matthew Kachuk does. More goals than Kyle Connor. More goals than Austin Matthews and Sidney Crosby. Like, is Pretty that good. not is that not high end? It is. You know, is is having you know the number of points that he has, and he's not in the top twenty five in points right now because you know. It's it's 46 is what it is, but he's also played fewer games than everybody because he was hurt. So to be at the point pace that he is, is he like he's on a better pace than guys like Stamkos and again, Crosby and again, Matthews. And he's on a better he's on a better point per game pace than Ovechkin is. Important question for you. Yeah. Rest of this year, two more years left. Travis Konechny has five and a half million dollars. Does he survive the rebuild? Man, that's a tough question because because here well here's the thing. If they're entering into it right now, he's surviving it for now because he's giving you top line quality. Right. Well, right, but if you're trying to rebuild, depends on it depends on how rebuildy they're trying to go with it. <laughs> I'll give I'll do you one better. Because the answer doesn't lie in kind of the answer doesn't lie in what he does. Okay. As they bring guys up, and you know maybe it's a cutter Gautier down the road, whatever it may be. How much better is he going to make everybody else? If he starts making other guys better, then therefore the build is going to go faster, and he'll survive it as a result. Okay. But if but if this becomes stagnant, if this becomes we're just spinning our wheels, we're not getting any better with this guy, and he's got an affordable contract, you may have no choice. But, That's kind of what I'm thinking. But like for now, he's surviving it because because there's there is an element of like his play right now is probably making Noah Cates a little better right. at, at down the middle. It's probably making Joel Farabee come back like and be on this because Farabee we said is on a little bit of a hot streak right now in his right. own right. It's probably helping when you're playing with Travis Konechny. The I mean, Konechny's out there on the power play with with you know, and Lawton's out there, so probably is helping Scott Lawton a little bit. The shorthanded goals, like Konechny never played, and that's another thing, by the way, that helps you survive a build. If Konechny was nothing more than, hey, I can score 25 goals and I'm on the power play, if but he was the offensive version u- of Ghost, right. but no, but I'm useless on the penalty kill. You can't yeah. use me. Then, yeah, maybe there's a little bit more incentive. But now he's playing all situations. He's real, like. He's, he's developing a, into a well-rounded hockey player. He's developing Absolutely. into he's developing into the top liner that people maybe thought he could be in that career year. Hey, hey, did we just positively use the Flyers and developing in the same sentence? It doesn't hey, happen. Hey, hey, we got to take our small victories. Golf clap for that. Hey, okay. but my but again, my point and it, it, it is a small victory. But my point exactly, kind of with with everything is, you know. We can look at a McDavid and or what Bedard's going to be for a team and say, okay, you can get that guy first overall. You got to win the lottery. And here's a guy who's going to put up 100 points a year, right? I'm sure. I get it. Or, you know, you can also be a team that is one of these teams leading their division that just always seems to find the right guy, right? 
like you can be the Boston Bruins who are on this tear that they're on right now, obviously, this this record this record pace year that they're on. And say it's all about the usual guys like Marshawn, Bergeron, Pasa. And you're right about that to an extent. But you could also sit there and say, what happened? You know, and he's not playing right now. It's a shame, actually. But what happened to Jake DeBrusque that went from, I want out of here, to this is working? What happened when you acquired Pavel Zaka, who just got a contract extension, that he fits in now? What happened when you were able to suddenly take a guy who looked like he was one foot out the door into the, into the retirement world and made Nick Felino a reasonably valuable player again. How does that happen without getting some things out of people that you don't expect? And how, it works does, how does David Krejci come back from a year off? Well, not off. I know he was playing in the Czech league to come back and just be an elite second line center. Well, sure. But, but I like it, but I like, and, and that's, to an extent, that's not a great example because of the fact just that just how old players, he is. No, 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 or no, no. I'm talking about yours. I'm talking about oh, like, okay. Boston's not a great example because a lot of the guys I just mentioned. Were, although, I mean, Zaka was a high draft pick. Zaka went one pick before Provorov on it. Like, like so, th- that's an interesting case. But like, okay, let's take a team like Dallas, who's right up there too, having a really good year. When was Jason Robertson drafted? Third round. Second. Second. Okay. But you're talking about a guy. So, but you're—that's what I'm saying. You're talking about a guy who everybody passed on, and he might be like the second or third best player out of that draft when you when you look back on it, right? Like, right. like sometimes getting the first pick doesn't mean you're getting the best player. Th- that draft is a perfect example. The Flyers drafted second and got Nolan Patrick. Like, Kale McCarr, you know, Miro Heiskanen and Kale McCarr went right after that, right? But even a guy like, like, like I said, like, De, like DeBrusque is coming into his own a little bit now. Like, or a year ago, that was a like that was a situation that was going to end in the guys getting traded for pennies on the dollar because he just wants out, right? And he was drafted mid first round of the same year we're talking about with Zaka and Provorov and and Konechny yep. and guys like that, and. That was a good draft. That was a and it wasn't really and it was a really good draft. That draft is aging really, really well. But think about like think about the spots where a guy like Matt Barzell went or where or Kyle Connor went. Oh yeah, like they didn't go in the top ten and they turned out to be league stars. Yep, like you can still pull it off without picking in the top ten per se. You just got to know what you're doing, kind of. Now, 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 granted. If if the run is looked at as a bad thing, like you're sitting here going, oh, it's a bad thing from the fans' perspective because they're not going to get the layup pick. Right. I get it. But that, you know, listen, as far as like, and maybe that's a reason why it's not a good thing for the front office because it means you got to work now. It means you got to know what the hell you're doing when the draft rolls around. Well, right. But that's what we've been talking about, right? We've talked about the fact that finishing 12th in the conference and picking 15th doesn't do anything for you. Uh, you need to be drafting in the top 10, preferably towards the top five, to really get that impactful high-end talent that turned your franchise around and turned you into a sustainable right. winner. There's, there's, it, it, there's an exception to what you're saying. The, 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 the issue is the Flyers don't have that luxury anymore. Like the fly, and, and, here, no, here's the, and here's the truth, because here's the truth of it. If the Flyers would have had draft picks, and they kind of did to an extent, like that... That year that they went to the playoffs and were in the bubble and they go two rounds, you're starting to think that with with the way that Joel Farabee looked, the career year that Konechny had just had, Couturier was still young, 
Hayes looked good and they're all like in their mid to late twenties. Connect was younger. Provera was younger, like that kind of thing. But you you almost sat there and you went, now's the time. With, no, but you went, no, not even that now's the time you went and you looked and you're like, you can bridge that gap from Jeru Voracek to connect me. Right. right. Like Dallas didn't need Jason Robertson to be anything more than a project out of the early second round because they had time. They had Sagan and Ben that were leading the charge. And when Robertson was ready, it's like, okay, now he just seamlessly fits. I mean, it's worked out with other forwards that Dallas has besides that. I mean, like Dallas has other forwards that they've kind of like who, like who, Kevin, can you name any Dallas forwards? Can you like name any Ro- other Dallas forwards who have been contributing to their offense over the last several years? I don't know. Is there a guy whose name starts with R and ends with Ope hints? Yes, yeah, that's a good one too. I, I agree, but I was also, but I was also just think like, but like, even guys like Ty Smith, Ty Delandria. I'll give you one who I think has had a solid little year that, and he's he's really young, so it, like it, it, it's, it, but what like Wyatt Johnston? Yep, like. Why Johnson's been great. Like there's a guy who you sit there and you go, that can be the next wave too. Very well could. I mean, now I'm I and and listen, sometimes you also have to bridge the gap in another way. Which I is do. no, which which is grab a Joe Pavelski who grabs the 19-year-old, yep. 20-year-old whatever, you know. Robertson's how cuz Robertson's how old? 23. So, right. he's you know, when when Robertson's kind of just getting started and he's 21 years old, right? or t- even 20, like he was, he came up for a brief little period at 20 and like, he's mostly 21 when he starts. Right. Don't you want somebody like Joe Pavelski to walk you through the process of this Absolutely. is what it's like to, you know, that this is what it's like to, to, succeed, to be a professional, to succeed, to win, to right. To, to go and be part level. of, to be part of this league. And listen, you've got the talent to be something big. So go with it like here and run with it and, and do all the right things and it'll come to you. Like I'd like the flyers lost the luxury of being able to bridge the gap of drew and Voracek. They yes. lost it. Like they, they're falling in the chasm between the two arrows for sure. Right. Which means that now you're stuck left trying to figure out who even survives the current era because there is no former era to go off of. Like it kind of just is the current era, right? Right. We're in, whether we like it or not, we are in the Kevin Hayes, Travis Konechny, Ivan Provorov era, Travis Sanheim era. We are. Because th- right. those are the guys who have been here for three or four years. That is the core. That is kind of what your whole team bases around. Right. And and listen, like here's here not here's the deal, but it's like Part of like, and that's why part of it is like you, you're going to have to work harder now as a front office to make that happen. Because sure, if you're you know if you're the team that's caught in between it, kind of like Ottawa was, let's say, then you need to go through the process of we got a bunch of top ten picks because you got to build it faster than that because you're going to sell everything off and it's you know see a Mark Stone, see a Eric Carlson, you know all that type of stuff because you're going to give up the superstars that had you in the playoffs and making a push and you're going to move on to I you gotta find the next era. And yep. it doesn't happen overnight. So, you know, like that's why like and this is why I said like you gotta just kinda it's a fine line to walk also because I don't know what Konechny's ceiling is going to be based on the numbers that he's got. I don't because we haven't gone any further than oh well he was on pace for that year that they got cut short. 
and then he had two of the two worst years of his career, and now he's bouncing back with the 24 goals and 46 points. And is through, red hot right now. Right, to this point in the season. And he's and think about it. He's doing it at a pace that's not like halfway through the year. He's only played 37 games to do right. this. Well, and his pace over the last three weeks, like over this win streak, he had played ten. He, don't, he was on a ten. He was on a ten game point streak where he had twenty goals, or right. twenty points, Sorry, twenty points, lunacy. Twelve, go- twelve, twelve goals and twenty points. Connor McDavid numbers. Right, so <laughs> he was doing the two points per game thing. Right, and and I totally get that. It's it, so, but I don't know what that is yet. Like I'm getting this. Like like I start to get the sense with some other guys because I don't think there's going to be as because they don't go on tears like this. You know where they're the best player in in the, on the night, right? Right. Owen Tippett's got twenty twenty five goal potential. We can see that he's up Absolutely. to thirteen. He's up to thirteen. They're halfway through a year. He and should the, hit twenty. And the kid can rip a shot, right? But you got like like there's there's also an element of it that like and I noticed that there were players I didn't mention as part of the oh yeah who's part of this who's not kind of thing. One of those players, Morgan Frost, you know because. I don't know the answer. You're halfway, you know, like certainly he's having a career year this year because there, the bar wasn't set high. He well, had five goals and 16 points in 55 games last year for the highest marks of his career. And he's going to surpass the 55 games because he's been here the entire year. He's got eight goals. He's got 20 points. That's nice in about half. And listen, if he can turn into like, it's interesting with frost because like I sit there and say, if he can turn, like I was about to sit there and say, based on the halfway points of the season numbers, if he can turn into pushing 20 goals and 40 to 45 points a year, it's not elite. It's not what he was hoped right. to be coming out of the draft from what he was producing in juniors, but it's modest. It's, it's fair for where you hope the next step could go. But then, you know, there's always caveats with him, I think, because like right. I sit there and, like, and, and my point being, he played the devils in the first game of the year and had three points, I think. Or two goals, one of the two. So here's the thing. And he's, like, and he's played the Arizona Coyotes twice and had two four-point games. It's like half of your point production can't be the season opener against the Devils with two goals, one into an empty net, and two, two four-point nights where you get eight points. Well, and here's the thing is when you're going through a rebuild, when you're kind of in the position the Flyers are in where you're looking to the future, you're looking at a goal year. And let's say for the Flyers the goal year is – 25-26. Right. That, that's when they want to, like, be an elite team and start making the playoff push and blah, blah, blah. And you go and you look at your roster in 25-26 and you fill it. And your wish list. And it's not necessarily with player names, but you say, like, okay, first line, I want one of my wingers to be a 40-goal scorer and I want the other guy to be a 60-assist guy. And you start, you know, kind of piecing your roster together. And on your second line, you expect this kind of production. On right. your third line, it's hard to tell where Morgan Frost fits into that hierarchy if you're looking with kind of that three year view on it. Right. And in fairness to what you're saying, there's probably only like Konechny feels like the only forward right now that fits into any window of a top line picture. I agree. Now, now. And and I think I again I think this was something that Charlie tweeted. Um, so I do want to make sure that I like shout it out because sure. it's a it's a reasonable thought. And this was early on in what Konechny's been doing. Like it was pretty early on, but the thought what like the idea was the way he's playing. Like what if the last two years didn't go the way they did for him 
And like, it's almost like that as he went, the team went to an extent where it's like, if they could have played better and he's producing at that rate and we weren't having like, like what if I wasn't sitting there asking the question about like, Oh my gut feeling says he's going to be moved because change of scenery seems likely. Right. Right. If that doesn't happen over the last two years, is Claude Giroux still a flyer? And Sean, like, if like if, if you, like 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 the like no, like like, and I say like I'm not trying to talk about like that that it all centers around Claude Giroux, but the point being that Konechny naturally supplants no, Giroux as a, point, as a point yeah. guy. That that you instead, right, well, no, okay, because well, it was because if that doesn't happen, the window stays open. Well, right, okay, so no, but I, right. here's because here's the thing. I want to give you four. It's four scenarios that were given that maybe changed the dynamic around the team, which was if Konechny's last two years go like go way better and he's this player then and he's still this player now, like the development never, like there was no dip and then he's got to come back to it. Right. Do you ever consider, like not consider, but is, is the Claude Giroux trade something that doesn't end up happening because you're a better team? Yeah. Do you look like, like it kind of also fell on the, if Couturier didn't miss all the time with the back injuries and things like that too, like if those two things don't sure. happen, do you even make the Claude Giroux trade last year? Or do, and do, or do you look to bring him back? And if that doesn't happen, are you more involved in, Hey, let's bring in Johnny Gaudreau now because more pieces fell into place. Like then you're sitting there talking about a top a line. Like, aggressive yeah, as but a then, team. then if you're talking yeah. about a top line where everything played out the right way, where you go, look at the way Konechny plays, look at the way Couturier plays when healthy, obviously. And, Oh, throw Gaudreau in that, and now Giroux naturally falls back into a lower role. Sean Couturier would look massive on that line with those two wingers. Sorry. <laughs> oh, wait, what, with Gaudreau and Kadefi, yeah. if that was the case? Yeah. But that kind of brings an interesting dynamic into it, too, because what if Joel Farabee starts to pick it back up and be the player that's top six material that Him we Him and Claude saw? Giroux are the wingers on that second line. No, no, that wasn't even what I was worried about. Oh, I'm really? about I'm, no, I'm talking about the team in the here and now because, oh, like, right. again, going back to what we said about Couturier – do you start to feel like maybe you start like the and maybe the player too? I want I don't want to take this completely out of Couturier's hands. Do you start to feel the urge to hey there that this is there's something going on here, and I might be able to help. Yeah, and they know he can help if he's able to play. I agree. So do you pursue that? Because because I know what we said a month ago or early December or into December. Sure. We, we were sitting there saying, if you're still in the spot that you're in now with the way that the losing streak is going and all that stuff, shut it down by March. Turns Seriously. out winning seven to eight changes a lot of that. Because now all of a sudden you're sitting here saying, hey, you know what? If he got back in early February, mid-February and has two full months to work with, which is probably going to amount to, I don't know, could be 25 games, maybe 30, somewhere in that range. Is that enough time for him to make an impact and still have, depending on what the race looks like, obviously, but is that enough time for him to make an impact? And again, like, well, and then here's the thing. Even, okay, I kept saying replace, you know, if, if you trade James and Ames, like you're replacing him with a guy like Bobby, Bobby Brink, Brink, maybe. Well, what if you're replacing him with Sean Couturier? You know well, what I mean? Like, what if, you're, what, what if he comes back and that's the replacement? And, and the only thing you're doing is subbing out one guy for another. And I'd call you know that what I mean? upgrade in most, uh, most scenarios. <laughs> Because there's even an element right now, like the forward lines have not changed for a bulk of the two weeks, really. Even like even the line of Nick Delorier, Patrick Brown, and Zach McEwen has given you good minutes, real good minutes for a fourth line. Truthfully, like good forechecking, staying active, preventing anything from going the other way, kind of stuff. So that when you throw out 
I guess as it is in its current, like I know that the probably the main line because I'm going to assume the main line is Konechny, you know. Right. So Konechny's on a line with Cates and Faraby, right? So that when you throw out Frost, Van Reems, like Tippett, and when you throw out the group that remains, which would be your Hayes, Lawton, and uh, Allison, yeah. You've got some guys that are doing some stuff like, yeah. and and it's interesting because like it, it's almost like there is a guy like Frost right. is okay, like Frost is doing okay, like I like I said he's okay, but it, and and Van Reems like just like kind of came back from injury not that long ago like it was about a month ago, so like the points kind of come slowly for him like right. he only has seven goals this year, but when you actually look at his point totals, he's at um eighteen and twenty three which isn't bad for where he's at. No, you know, so um, like, and I like that he's finding ways to contribute that aren't just goal. But you're finding, but you're finding out that like, okay, Tippett's carrying a po- a portion of that line. Lawton and um, Lawton and and Allison to a lesser degree, but Lawton's really carrying the third line when it comes to the production numbers. Scott Lawton's been Konechny's carrying it from the top line perspective. Right? Like, yep. there's a guy on each line that's been very good and kind of very consistent you could say like Lawton's been consistent Konechny's been consistent and I, I think the Tippett's finding consistency more and more with each game and as you find that though maybe the guys he's playing with are gonna start to buy into that as well the fourth line has looked good when they've had to go out there like they were out there in a in a situation at one point in time I think it was like eight and a half minutes left in the third period of one of these games against Washington and it's like sure why not it's another shift. You're balancing the lines. You're up by two. Go, Go for, for it. it. Yeah. Yeah. So th- th- that's that's a lot of that type of stuff. You know, overall, is it a good thing? Maybe big picture it's not, but maybe big picture is something that this is this whole thing is good for because the players that are here are getting a taste of how they can find a way to do some things. And that maybe that goes a longer way than anything else. I'm not like and like I said. You know, we may sit here and play around with the playoff thing. There are six points out as we speak today. The the week presents some opportunities because outside of playing Boston on the road, you know, who, you know, who again, I, Boston, I, who, Boston, I, who has, um, what was it? Nine total losses on the year, which is still the same number of uh, re- regulation losses that Carolina has as I number made, two. I made a prediction on last week's show and I'm sticking to it. If, okay. Carter, if Carter Hart starts that game tomorrow, the Flyers are winning. It'd be interesting. Uh, we'll have to see, but... This I, is I, not gambling I, advice. I may, <laughs> I may throw a couple bucks on it. But but the interesting... But like The rest of the week after that game, you are playing the second worst team in the league, then the worst team in the league, and then you are playing a team that is tied with you in points as we speak. Before you get another good, like legitimately good test... Because it'll be Winnipeg twice, LA's on the schedule. I think they got like a they got an easy one thrown in there somewhere, or maybe not an easy one, but Minnesota's a little bit closer to mid pack than Winnipeg and LA. Winnipeg and LA are top ten teams this year, right? Yeah, so it's crazy. You, you know, and 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 then and then that's it. I mean that that's that's the four games like from next week. That's the four games that take you into the half of a bye week well the half of the bye week means yeah. the all-star break kind of stuff and well, you're off until february exactly. and into february and february in the nhl means it's trade season like and that's right. and, that's the thing and that's the thing by the time you play like you have it's eight games total you play eight more games by the time those eight games are over you technically 
at, like you're gonna, it's gonna take some time while they're off for that week. But technically, you're a month away from the trade deadline. And if something crazy happens and the Flyers like get 13 points out of this eight game stretch somehow, like I don't think it's likely. Don't get mm-hmm. it twisted. But if they somehow do something like that, go get Brock Besser. I don't know. Like I've, <laughs> at a I don't certain know point, <laughs> I don't. I don't know who you'd have to trade to make that happen. No, that's the thing. Like. Because I don't think they want to trade certain like certain young pieces. They're not going to trade no, a prospect and things like that. I mean, They're I mean, not trading Bobby Brink. Well, let's be and let's be like this again. This kind of goes back to something else. Because if Brink comes up and you try him, you know, or whatever, you still got Tyson Forrester molding down there, and yep. that maybe that's a conversation for next year. Well, just in terms of trade chips, there's always Jay O'Brien, <laughs> um, who may or may not be hanging out wherever Ryan Ellis is. <laughs> Who may or may not be, uh, you know, may or may not be signed. We don't even know if that's going to happen yet. You know, wild, wild. Um, but you've got you've got guys hanging out down there that could be of help too. You know, like don't make it seem like there aren't guys in the minors right now that could be. Because another, let's put it this way, another player that people are going to talk about down there that hasn't that will probably eventually find a place on an NHL roster is Elliot Desnoyers. Yes, like. Not a top line guy by any stretch, but a guy who you can kind of get behind and be like, yeah, he can do something, you know? And you so, never know. I, I, he's a bit of a project. He's, you know, taking his time. He's, he'll come up. All right. One more thing before we get out of here. Um, John Tortorella is doing John Tortorella things again. <laughs> uh, yeah. We heard his uh, comments last week about the All-Star game and how he doesn't even watch it. This week's drama is the fact that he has banned iPads from the Flyers bench. Now, (laughs) if you've watched an NHL game over the last several years, um, you will often, during a broadcast, they'll cut to the bench and you'll see players, you know, on an iPad, Mm -hmm. watching a replay of the previous, you know, going over some tape, talking to a teammate. Hey, next time we got to do this, that, you know, a little strategizing. Yeah. John Tortorella felt that it was distracting. Uh, he felt that guys, you know, were paying too much attention to the replay and maybe not enough attention to the game and mm-hmm. losing focus on the game in front of them. And he was worried about people potentially not being ready for shifts because they're messing around on the iPads. Yeah. And he has banned them on the bench. Uh, yeah, there's John Tortorella <laughs> doing John Tortorella stuff. I it Listen, when you've won seven out of eight and these, the iPads have been banned for – a decent it, chunk of that stretch. It was so the first time that this gets mentioned was it, well, it was noticeable during Wednesday's game. Let's make that clear first. Right. But it got mentioned really or talked about a little bit after that game. And where Tortorella actually said we took the things off the bench and all that stuff because you got to love the way that John Tortorella talks about a player sometimes because he can almost compliment you and insult you at the same time king of the backhanded compliment absolutely because because <laughs> here's exhibit a for that then because i'll read the quote that starts this whole thing off because and we all laughed because when he said it, it you had to laugh at it because he goes the thing about and he's talking about connecting so he goes the thing about tk is he screws up a lot but it just doesn't bother him <laughs> and it's and like you gotta love how like it's met with that. Like he screws up a lot, but it's, but it doesn't phase him, which is good. Like he goes out, takes his next shift. That's huge. Blah, blah, blah. Um, we don't want him to worry about anything other than the next shift. Um, 
I think, and, and he mentioned it, like in his detailed answer there, he mentions how Konechny is one of the players who used used the iPad a lot or would always be reaching for it kind of stuff. And I get that. His, his Travis Konechny seems like an iPad kid. <laughs> his here because here's the thing. I know that the perception says old school torts, torts being torts. This is what it is, right? His reasoning was actually very fair. Yes. Like, like, first of all, these are, these are things that happen in most, like pretty much every sport. The iPads are sure. available. It happens all the time. Technology has made sports. Yeah. Sure. But there's a difference between being a quarterback in the NFL and saying, I got to go back and watch that last play where I threw an interception because did I miss something? I want to correct it. And oh, by the way, you have time. Right. Have I have the entire time. defensive drive. Right. You have right. some time to kind of dissect that one play, grab a coach and say, let's talk this over really fast because right. I'm off for a couple seconds. Right. Go and, get the receiver who was affected by it. Like, well, you got fair, time. I, right. well, and in fairness, coaches don't have time in the NHL for that. Right. You know, in, in the NFL, there's 7,000 coaches, right. first it's, of all. It's the head coach, the two co- – it's head coaches, co- the head coach, well, coordinators. And when your offense – Coaches. When your offense is out there, your defensive coordinator ain't doing much. Or vice versa. Right. right. The offensive coordinator is going to be able to talk to you. Exactly. Um, the thing with breaking down a play like that in the NHL is everything moves so quickly – and it's always fluid motion. Like you're trying to, like if you're coming to the bench and like, there's no stoppage of play necessarily when you get to the bench that you can sit there and go, I'm going to grab it and watch it. And that's where Tortorella was kind of coming from where he's like, listen, I want you to be ready to go. Whether it's a minute and a half from now, maybe it's 30 seconds. I might say next shift you're going right. Like be ready for that and stay engaged in the game because, and, and to his point, it's not about, stay engaged like i need you to pay attention at all times it's right like to every detail of the game it, or what play is happening it's understand where the momentum is and i actually thought a great example of it was in saturday's game as they take the lead in the second period because when they get the first goal when Tippett sets up james and reams like for the goal that gives them the lead they scored 49 seconds later it was probably two shifts later though because there was a recognition keep the foot on the gas keep applying the pressure you've kind of got them out of sorts right now and it led to another goal right really quickly and they were buzzing like that for a while and i i don't know that there was anything that could have happened in the first five minutes of that period where you go to the bench and look at a play on an ipad and say i can get you know i can figure out you know oh we've got momentum or, or we don't you know like right. I, I think that instead you just had to watch and go look what they just did to score that goal and then the next group out had a great shift and nearly scored on theirs. And it's like, keep it going. There was another one out there to be had, right? Like, I, I think that it was a, a great way to look at it. And of course, like, everybody's going to, like, I don't think there was anything that was really crazy about the, uh, what he's, what Tortorella said on, no. we, on, on Wednesday. But when it was brought up more and in kind of that controlled setting, like Friday, like when it's a practice, when he goes into way more detail about things, you know, you hear him talking about how it's going to be a tough sell to get him to look at something. We need, you know, you know, and all this stuff. I'm not trying to make it seem like technology. You know, everybody thinks technology is great. Sometimes it is. This is it, there's, but sometimes it isn't. And I think this is one of those times. Blah blah blah. Right? Yeah. He gets asked the question about how it fuels the perception of him, and before the question could even be finished, again, this was Charlie who asked the question, before he could finish asking the question, you got a, I don't give a flying you-know-what, 
actually maybe you don't know what because it wasn't the word that usually follows okay. that one but uh, i don't give a flying you know what how i'm perceived it's like it's just my job to coach the, I, in I case like you it. didn't know right now i like i actually like the way he followed up the answer because like he's sitting there going if, if i'm trying to make everybody happy and worry about how like be perceived a certain way it's a tough way to live yeah like i can you know you can make a judgment on me all you want to, but I can't worry about it because I got to be locked into making decisions to help the team and all that stuff like that. But again, like when he followed up on it more and it's like staying engaged in the game, keeping the energy level up, you were, you know, just understanding the flow of the game. And, and, and I, I really liked when he talked about like, again, when, it, when he said understanding flows of the game and understanding momentum swings, and that's the re- biggest reason to take them away he had a line in there that was, if we are fortunate enough to play in big games, they're magnified even more, yes. which almost is an indirect way of saying like acknowledging rec- that they're recognizing there. that, well, th- recognizing that they're there in the standings, but not being satisfied with it right. or anything like where it's like, just because they've won seven out of eight does not mean well. And he didn't say playoffs. He said right meaningful games or important games, whatever. Well, because I think I think that even like you can think about even with Columbus, he's been on like, and I I, I can't I think I think of nothing more than and it's kind of like believe me the name I'm going to mention in the same sentence as this is going to make this a little ironic. I was thinking about this the other day. They were playing down the stretch right before the COVID shutdown hit. They had a couple of series, like the Flyers played a couple of sequences where they played home and homes and had the same team in like the same weekend, same week, whatever the case may be, right? right? One of those was Columbus, and Columbus at the time was still very much in the race. They kind of were going to drop out of it. Now, they got it. They got a playoff spot, if you will, by by virtue of the expanded playoffs that year. But that was those were two big games for them. And they got it, you know, they played in Philly first and kind of got it handed to them on the scoreboard, despite, I think they outshot the Flyers that night, something like 37 to 18 or something. It was ridiculous. But the Flyers won the game like 5 to 1. So it was really a weird game. Like the goaltending was a little weird. Everything was off and they they just kind of didn't play well. Columbus did. And then they played at home against the Flyers in the back end of that. And the game got to overtime. The Flyers were down 3 to 1 at one point. They erased the deficit and then go into overtime. And they win the game in overtime, and I distinctly remember the Columbus broadcast having a clip of the bench, the Columbus bench, afterwards. And Tortorella's watching as the play goes on, and as soon as Kevin Hayes scored the game winner, there's there's the uh, little footnote that go. makes it kind of comical yeah. or, or, or ironic or whatever. But as soon as it goes in, Tortorella just drops his head as like as if almost as if to look at the situation where it was like, we were up 3-1 in the game. Up 3-1 in the game. We let that slip away. We still have a shot in overtime, and we gave that to him, too. Yep. Um, like, just as if to, like, look and go, we didn't recognize the situation in front of us where this was a big bounce-back game. We were doing the right things going into the second, third period, whatever case may be, and we didn't finish the job. Yep. You know? You know, that kind of stuff. Right. And that's the thing, right? Like, yeah, I think Tortorella I think has the I right idea. Right. So I, I think, th- but that's, that to Tortorella is a big game. You're not thinking of direct, direct playoff implications. You're not even right. looking at it necessarily big picture, but you're sitting there going, that's a big game, big moment, and you got to yes. get it done. Right. So I think that's what he's looking for. He doesn't. And, and again, to sit there and say, don't, don't overthink it, you know, understand, you know, these momentum swings and how big they can be within a game and, 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 and grab onto it kind of stuff. So I, I thought everything that was said was great. 
Yeah. Well, and, and I think it's a fair, I think it was a fair thing. Like, I don't look at this as old, like it's an old school approach. Don't get me wrong, right. but I don't look at it as a negative old school approach. When you're sitting, you're trying to teach a team in your first year as the head coach. Hey, recognize the situation that you're in and be present in the game instead of watching it on a tablet, because that's not getting you anywhere. Not in the next shift. No. And you know what? The flyers have done that. And the position they find themselves in is having one seven out of eight. And I I think that's a good place to put a bow on it for today. Sure. A bit of a long show. And uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, Same time, same channel, same place. Uh, Follow us on Twitter, YWT Podcast, Kevin at Kevin underscore Darso, Facebook, Instagram, Podbean, iTunes, Amazon, Google Podcasts, sportstalkphilly.com. Follow us wherever you can follow us. And uh, that's going to do it for us today. Anything else, Kevin? No, I don't have anything else. Cool. I did the socials. We'll be back next week. And until then... Yeah.